Well, as you know, the question crops up in conversation quite a lot. Why, why go to church? What's the point of organized religion anyway? Can't I have my own private, personal, spiritual perspective and let it go at that? And aren't all religions the same anyway? And does it really make any difference? If you pay attention to this line of thinking, to follow its pattern, it leads to a more generalized disaffection with nearly all organized behavior, a growing lack of confidence in not just religious institutions, but government and education and business and so on. A lot has been written about the collapse of institutional life in the last decade. You've probably, well, the media is filled with it, actually if you pay attention. A while ago, David Brooks, New York Times columnist, nailed this situation squarely. He recounted how, at the time, a 22-year-old man named Jefferson Besky produced a video called Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. The video shows Besky standing in a courtyard rhyming about the purity of the teachings of Jesus and the hypocrisy of the church. Jesus preaches healing and surrender and love, he argues, but religion is rigid, phony, and stale. Jesus came to abolish religion, Bethke insists. Religion puts you in bondage, but Jesus sets you free. Well, this video, at the time of its release, went viral. It was seen by millions and millions of people. Evidently, it spoke for many, particularly young people, who felt close to God in some form, but not, but not to the church. Brooks reasoned that this represented the passionate voice of those who think their institutions lack integrity. And again, not just the religious ones, but the political and corporate ones as well. He went on to say that we currently suffer from an over-reliance on the narcissism of the individual point of view. This seems to be a moment when many people in religion, economics, and politics are disgusted by current institutions, but then they are vague about what sorts of institutions should replace them. This seems to be a moment of fervent protest that is ultimately vague and ineffectual. But, in fact, belief systems help. People envision alternative realities through them. They helped people explain why the things society values are not the things that should be valued. They gave movements a set of organizing principles. Joining a tradition doesn't mean suppressing your individuality. Applying an ancient tradition to a new situation is a creative, stimulating, and empowering act. And actually, just a, just a bit of reflection reveals that we are the beneficiaries of an astonishing depth of collected wisdom gathered and refined over decades and centuries, passed on through institutional means, because institutions are the only thing that have the capacity to effect change over long stretches of time. To assume we individually and 
separately have the singular bead on the truth is a remarkably arrogant, not to say profoundly limited point of view and a great diminishment of our potential. Consider the Bible for a minute. Do you know how long it took to put this baby together? Over a thousand years over a thousand years, passed on generation after generation, argued and debated and reinterpreted, advancing God's graceful, potent, and life-affirming message that has captured the attention of billions of people for millennia, but made possible only through so-called organized religion. One doesn't have to be any sort of believer in its transcendence to stand in awe of its legacy. We could say the Bible is an institution in and of itself. To simply dismiss institutional life as irrelevant is to dismiss human history out of hand. Corruption abounds, of course, no argument there, but corruption abounds as easily, even more fundamentally, I think, in individuals as it does collectives. It's useful to remember that whenever people choose to accomplish a good end, they inevitably form structures of common concern to implement positive outcomes. In other words, they make institutions. Because institutions have the ability, again, to survive over time. At its best, the church is one of the towering examples of such accomplishment. I mean, consider our small brand called Methodism. It has figured prominently in American history as an engine for the development of hospitals and social work and public education and many colleges and universities. Methodists were early abolitionists. You couldn't join, you couldn't become a Methodist said Wesley, and be a slaveholder. They helped establish communal commitments of self-improvement, moral development, and compassionate engagement with the world. It is certainly not perfect. It has faults, but also a resilient commitment to the things that matter most of all, calling us to love the way God loves. I say this really as simple observation. It's a simple fact. It won't be everyone's cup of tea, of course, but it's part of a much wider, broader, and deeper consortium of structures and movements and collectives and communities that have been organized to advance a profound spiritual perspective energized by Jesus of Nazareth, who, as you know, was himself energized by an older wisdom tradition that was mediated through institutions. It's a point of view and way of life in which I have immersed myself to clarify and amplify my own potential and to focus my priorities in a life bounded by time. My disagreements with the organization, and I have several significant ones, don't diminish the power of this larger frame of reference. Instead, I wrestle and debate with the tradition, and in the process, I am found and formed. 
not as in a plastic mold poured by robots, but as a resilient human man, open and yearning and questing after the most important things and discovering mentors and companions like you who will support me and challenge me and allow me to flourish well together, standing together, standing upon a very secure foundation. This has been my experience and likely the experience of many of you. Have any of you seen the, the musical Come From Away? I highly recommend it. Uh, it's unusual. Um, just jot that down, Come From Away, it's worth seeing. Melissa and I saw it this past week I didn't know much about it, to tell you the truth, when I went, but it tells the remarkable true story of the town of Gander in Newfoundland. Turns out there was a little-used mammoth airport, and when the airspace was shut down on 9-11, many of the aircraft were landed there. Gander was a town of 7,000 people. In 24 hours, their population doubled. There were 7,000 stranded passengers. And this musical tells the story of their embrace by the town. It brought to mind 9-11, my own experience of it. And it did this in a good way really. But when I saw that uh, the reading for today was from Isaiah, I have always tied that passage from Isaiah with 9-11, because we read it here several times during that week in very short order as part of our worship, including the service of prayer at noon on the Thursday following that fateful Tuesday to which everyone in the nation had been called to prayer. Our sanctuary was filled to overflowing, standing room only. As the noon hour struck and we were about to begin, I saw a sanitation truck out through the glass doors screech to a halt. Several men leapt off and ran into the overcrowded space just as I was about to begin at the stroke of twelve. Such was the power of our mere institutional presence on the corner of Park and 60th. I knew that a very high percentage of attendees that day likely hadn't darkened the door of a church for years. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. But I also understood that when the ground shakes, you reach for the very best handhold available. And in such moments, our thinking shifts to a ground that touches bedrock, a foundation addressed by our traditions, scriptures, and rituals. And they provide an ancient library of the recurring human discovery that God is. Behind all things lies a fundamental order. Friends who believed that were part of a, an organization that built this place. And in this way, they gave it forward to the generations that would follow because institutions survive through time for the benefit of the common good. 
That's why people flock to churches. They didn't think about it. It just was in the air, in their blood. They needed to remember something that was just on the edge of consciousness. And so the scriptures were opened and people resonated with ancient poetry. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can you think of anything else that would be more relevant to hear on such an occasion? Those gathered here had an instinct for understanding that these words were forged in the crucible of great human adversity and tragedy. That was the anvil those words are forged on. And for millennia, people confronted with great crises had seen behind and beneath their experience a more fundamental order, and others who then followed over the decades and centuries learned the wisdom of their forebears that God is. Institutions evolve, of course. They come and they go. We're now living in a time of great upheaval, in part instigated by technology and the subsequent shattering of old boundaries of knowledge and information and cultures and epistemologies. Epistemologies, the philosophical idea of how we know things. We're in for a very wild ride in the next decades, institutionally speaking. In the meantime, I assert there are powerful human, even divine resources that put the ground beneath our feet and inflate our lungs with breath. These have been collected and organized and redacted and edited through a continuous flow of human spiritual energy that even today fills this space. Regardless of your current level of involvement or interest or understanding, your mere presence here within these walls locates you within this dynamic spiritual flow. And I say, thank God for that. And thank God for the church, battered but unbowed, Corrupt, but standing on the most solid of foundations. Held tenderly in love for the sake of love. Just like you and me 